is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. All February on Reset, we are highlighting stories and interviews about Black joy. We profile local people about their origins, their passions, most importantly, what brings them joy. And we would love to hear from you. So Black Chicago, tell us, what is bringing you joy right now? Leave us a voicemail at 888-915-9945. That's 888-915-9945. And we will share your voicemail all about Black Joy on the air. We'll turn now to a new report about Arab Americans in the Chicago area. The years-long study from the University of Illinois Chicago takes a closer look at the challenges that Arab American communities in Chicago face. Challenges that range from surveillance and stereotyping to the actual erasure of their identities and being categorized as white. Joining us now to dig into the results is Nadine Neber. She is the lead author of the report and a professor of gender and women's studies and global Asian studies at UIC. Hi, Professor Neber. Welcome to Reset. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Also with us is Nadia Aliafai, youth and political organizer at the Arab American Action Network. Nadia, great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for having me as well. So before we get into the details of the report, Professor, can you just give us a snapshot of Arab-American communities in the Chicago area? Yes. Uh, Arab-Americans in the Chicagoland area come from every Arab country, Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Lebanon, Morocco, Palestine, Syria, many other Arab countries beyond that. Uh, Somalia is included here, Sudan. Um, so these are North African countries, some of them in uh some of the folks we refer to here using the rubric Arab might not be Arab, but they come from the Arab region, which includes 22 countries, mm-hmm. and not everybody identifies as Arab. So we're using the word Arab and Arab-American as a shorthand. And it's really important to mention that a large community historically in Chicago it includes Assyrians who are not uh, Arab. However, they're from the Arab region. I see. And and when we talk about this large community here in the Chicagoland area, approximately 108,000 Arab Americans are here. But the report notes that the estimated population is likely an undercount. Why is that, Professor? Yes, this is a crucial point. Um, we can take the Arab American Institute, a national organization that's been around for decades uh, who works on counting issues, they estimate that the U.S. Census undercounts Arab Americans by 1.6 million, and they recommend multiplying census population numbers by 1.5. In 1998, for example, uh, we think of what happened in Chicago. The city of Chicago's Arab Advisory Council on Human Relations shared that Chicago has 150,000 Arab Americans and 65,000 Syrians. Well, around that same time, the U.S. Census said 52,000 Arab Americans and 15,000 Assyrians. Hmm. Um, That just gives you a sense of the need to multiply the numbers that we have. And let's dig into that. I mentioned earlier Arab Americans are counted as white. Where did that come from? Uh, It it came historically from debates at the uh, turn of the 20th century, you know, this has been a long debated question, you know, are Arabs white or not white? Uh, the, the category shifted many times until, you know, the census came into effect. Um, you know, this is post-1940s, um, and then the white designation became uh, solidified, despite decades of community-based organizing and advocacy, um, 
you know, uh, on the level of uh, elected officials to change this. Mm-hmm. Nadia, let's bring you in here. As the professor mentioned, uh, there's much diversity when it comes to the the different communities that are part of uh, the Arab American community. Your organization has served uh, Arab Americans since 1995. So talk more about that diversity and uh, and what the professor highlighted for us, that not everyone from an Arab country identifies as Arab, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, The Arab American Action Network has served many communities, including refugees and non-refugees, immigrants, children of immigrants, and all of these factors have a diversifying experience of the Arab Americans in the communities um, that we serve, as well as the different communities we do serve, such as, you know, there are Palestinian Americans, Palestinians, uh, Yemeni Americans, Sudanese, um, Somalis, um, there is such a diverse range of what Arab American entails, or just Arab in general entails, that it it just the labeling of white really emphasizes the erasure of our communities, and even just the simple term Arab erases. Many of the experiences our communities have struggled as well. Mm-hmm. Professor, so to address the issues that we're talking about, one immediate change in this report is calling for uh, adding a new category for Arab Americans to identify themselves under, right? That's the, the Middle Eastern North African category. How do you want that change to be implemented? Uh, we want that change to be implemented on every single level of social life, um, anywhere anyone fills out a government form. Um, anytime anyone applies for a job, uh, applies for admission to a university, um, all areas of uh, life where people access resources, um, you know, social services, uh, when organizations apply for funding for accessing resources for their for their members, for their constituents, um, we need the numbers to understand the needs um, related to you know economics, housing, employment. Uh, so, you know, the list can go on and on, but it's uh, every area of life that relates to communities um, having their needs met, not only to survive, but to be able to thrive. Uh, we need data, and we need to also understand um, the struggles and challenges that people from the Arab region are facing in Chicagoland. Mm-hmm. Nadia, how do you feel about this? I mean, why is it a problem that Arab Americans are identified as white. Help us understand how a new category would help fix that. Yeah, so one of the main things about being categorized as white as a nonprofit organization is that we can't we don't have data on our community, right? We have to find that data ourselves. For example, the Arab American <clears throat> excuse me, Action Network recently published a report, our own report on suspicious activity reports, which is a program used by law enforcement, all levels of law enforcement, from cops to the FBI to identify suspicious activity. And this program was used as ammunition for racial profiling. It is a tool of radicalized surveillance, especially since we found that over 50% of suspicious activity reports list suspects as Arab, Muslim, Middle Eastern, or olive skin, and it is a tool of criminalization as it targets everyday activities carried out by people of color. Mm. To get that percentage and to get these reports, we had to file a Freedom of Information Act after not receiving information. We had to file a lawsuit against the Illinois 
<clears throat> state police. And after two years, we won more than 200 reports that we were analyzing one by one, making notes of that data and creating that report. It's just a very long process just to get our data tracked because no one is doing it for us. That's what the report highlights. Mm -hmm. It shows that many of our community members have been faced with racism, but their experiences have gone unnoticed because they're labeled as white and they don't have their own category. How have you grappled with that personally? I think it's absolutely insane that we haven't had a category yet. Um, There is a pretty great percentage of Arab uh, and Middle Eastern individuals in the U.S. and in Chicagoland, in the Chicagoland area. We've been around for many, many years. And the fact that we are not even able to get a category, we don't have data, is outstanding, especially during the times of COVID, where many of our communities needed funding and faced so many hardships with the effects of COVID. But we were continuously going unnoticed just because there's no data on us. We had to do that ourselves. And community organizations that work with the Arab community had to do that themselves. Professor, one important distinction that you make in the report is not all Arabs are Muslim and not all Muslims are Arabs. Is that still a misconception that you're coming across in your work? Absolutely. Uh, This is one of the greatest misconceptions um, is this idea that, you know, there's this uh, fictive or fictional character, the Arab Middle Eastern Muslim, uh, which basically this category has been produced out of histories of U.S. uh, government policies in the Middle East region North Africa, as well as uh, corporate media, you know, Hollywood rhetoric that just reproduces idea over and over. Um, and so, you know, even as a university professor, you know, we, we, we can barely scratch the surface of teaching about the Middle East because we spend most of, you know, a semester just undoing that one idea mm. that not all Arabs are the same, not all Arabs are Muslim, not all Muslims are Arabs. You're also trying to address another problem right off the bat in the report, and that's the the dual problem of invisibility and hypervisibility. Can you explain that, Professor? Yes. uh, The report tackles this problem. Invisibility is what Nadia was referring to, whereby Arab Americans are classified as white. Um, At the same time, our experiences in everyday life are distinct from white communities. Um, Arab Americans... uh, have a lower medium household incomes and higher unemployment rates and uninsured rates than white communities. More Arab Americans than white communities um, are housing costs burdened, and uh, fewer Arab Americans than white communities own their residences. This is just a small snippet of these distinctions. And then when you add to it that in everyday life, most Arab Americans in Chicagoland are not treated or perceived to be white. Kids at school are called terrorists. Stupid Arab, they receive death threats. This is ongoing daily experiences that our young people have. So all of these illustrate that Arab Americans do not experience life as white communities do, um, but at the same time, they're classified as white. So that's what makes them invisible. Their realities are not seen. Their experiences are erased. Um, They're not part of public debate as a distinct community that has distinct needs. Hypervisibility um, is the reality of, you know, what we talked about, Arabs and Muslims and Middle Easterners being perceived as terrorist enemies of the United States, as 
cultures and religions that oppress women and, you know, all these stereotypes. Yeah. So that makes them hyper-visible um, and targets of racism. So that's the, the issue of being hyper-visible and invisible is that you experience racism, but you don't have a structure to respond to it or challenge it because you're seen as white. So, Nedia, you know, you've talked about how organizations like yours have been working to strengthen and, and support Arab communities for, for decades now. What more needs to be done, you think, to, to address community needs and advance racial justice? Yeah, um, our community, you know, we know that there's so much going on. And we need to hold the state and law enforcement accountable. And to do that, the main thing that we need is data on our community. The Arab American Action Network as you said, has been here for such a long time. And we are the ones that were collecting data on our communities, the effects of racism and racial profiling on our communities. We have a campaign to end racial profiling. And through our report, we even mentioned that suspicious activity reports are a discriminatory tool used to target people of color with the focus of Arabs and Muslims. And police and civilians only see a terrorist when the suspect is Arab, Black, or Brown. Yeah. So there's so much going on in our community, so much discrimination, criminalization, targeting, harassment, that we really need to hold law enforcement accountable. And to do so, we need that data on our community. So getting that data is one of the most important things that we need. We need our name on the census. We need our, that We need that MINNA category. And the IRPP report really yeah. That. We'll have to leave it there. We've been talking with Nadia Al-Yafai with the Arab American Action Network and UIC professor Nadine Neber. She is the lead author of a new study that takes a closer look at the challenges that Arab Americans are facing here in the Chicago area. Thank you both so much for your time.